Hello, and welcome to another episode of Bros 3 Podcast for June 26, 2022. And how are you doing, fam? I say, how are you doing? All right, let's jump into it. Um, Maybe two days ago, I woke up to a text from Zion. And she told me uh, in the text that Roe v. Wade was overturned. I, I responded to the text with something real non-committal, but later on that day, I talked to other women, older women, younger women, and I didn't know how much of an effect that that, that verdict had for them. And someone explained it to me like this. Imagine going to sleep, thinking that certain things were a right that you had, and waking up the next morning to find those rights gone. And that really, that was, uh, I didn't look at it like that. I mean, I understood in a way that it was a woman's issue, but I didn't understand the terror, the uncertainty that would bring into a, a woman's life, not just a young woman. I'm talking about people who are past ch- child rearing age. Well, not, not, not past child rearing, but past child bearing age. Because they thought about the women coming after them. You know? Um, and then I had to text my daughter back and make sure she was doing okay. And I had to apologize for being so crass or so uh, insensitive about the situation. You know? There is a sanctity of life. Life is precious, right? Um, But I would imagine if if life is so precious, I'm talking about like a a baby in the womb, you would want to protect that child when it comes out, right? Like you would want to make sure that that child had certain amenities. So thinking about this, it's like, okay, so we care about what a woman does with her body, because of the sanctity of life, because of the life that they're carrying. I understand that. But then I thought, well, does that same caring urgency, does that carry on once the child is born? And I I can't say it does. Like perfect example. I did not know this, but courts ruled like in certain part of the country, I'm talking about in the United States, that water was not a human right. Like the basic necessities of life are not human rights. Just wrap your head around that one, right? Um, The courts also uh, concluded that clean air was not a God-given human right. So, okay, fine, you have this child bring them into the world once that child is ready to be born uh, if you don't have health care then you're stuck like Chuck like that kid is your problem now for the most part and you would think if someone cared about if a government entity cared about this new life and the preciousness thereof like with universal health care could we take care of the moms when they're pregnant and incubating the baby no like 
universal health care. Like other places can do it. Fortunately, home of the brave, land of the free, you want your own. You know? That's 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 wild. But when they get to a certain age, you gotta, you know, you gotta have the vaccines. That's mandatory. I don't it's it's really confusing. Right? Um I don't know. It's it's been really I've been trying to wrap my head around the whole thing, but let's let's lighten it up a little bit. Um, <laughs> I don't know if this is a lighter subject, but I was scrolling through the Instagrams and I saw a video, and it said it was a young black lady in the video, and it, the words on the bottom said, "What kind of slave would you be?" And she was a young lady, young black girl, and she was like, "Man, I promise you." I would have been, and I, you know, she was saying that she would have been rebellious. She said, I, and this is when the reality hit. She said, man, I would have been this, and I would have been rebellious. And then she stopped for a second. She said, I'd like to think that I'd be a Harriet Tubman type of woman. But she said the reality is she probably wouldn't be. And then from there, she started making jokes. I didn't really find any of it funny I uh, it's always easy to say what you could have should have would have done but the reality of the subject the reality of the situation was that was a hard time you know what kind of slave would you be it's not so much about that it's about surviving right you didn't you did things you wasn't proud of you did it to to see the next day hoping and praying that that wouldn't always be the case. Hmm. Well, oddly enough, um, a lot, I ain't gonna say a lot of places, but I've noticed something uh, going to these different establishments. Like, uh, I went to Walgreens, right? It was a couple months ago. I was going to this Walgreens and it was pretty empty. It was in a black neighborhood in Gary and in this Walgreens it was just me and this young female cashier, black lady. So she's ringing me up. I'm just buying the necessities. You know, a little fifth of vodka. You know, 12 pack, something like that. This was like months and months ago. This is when the world was shut down. <laughs> and it was like Mad Max. So as she's ringing up my stuff I'm just looking around. Now, in this Walgreens, they've got these vintage black and white posters. They've been blown up. And I guess Walgreens came around like in 1902 or something like that. So, as you look around, you see like the first Walgreens built in 1902. And Mr. and Mrs. Walgreens are standing there holding hands like an old, like a Western shop. You know, you could buy oats for your horse and stuff, right? So I'm looking at that, I'm looking at, there's an aerial picture, it's all these like 1920s cars rolling down this dusty road or whatever. And when she told me how much I owe, once she tell me how much it is, I'm reaching in my pockets, but I'm looking at these pictures, I'm enamored with them, right? So I'm looking at the pictures, and as I handed the money, I said, you ever think about, you ever think about those pictures? And she, she was counting the money. She kind of like, what are you talking about? She looked over her shoulder. She was like, yeah, 
I'm not going to lie, I kind of do. You seem like the only person that ever noticed him. I said, yeah, that's, that's kind of crazy, huh? And in one of the pictures, there was like, a, like, I guess their first customers or something, and they were all smiling and waving. And I was like, huh, I wonder what those people have been happy that this young black lady was working. I said something to that effect. I wonder what they have been happy to serve us. And she started laughing like, hell no. She gave my change and I left. Okay, no big deal. But I went to Portillo's, right? And they got like this 1920s thing, right? It's like a, because Portillo's is a Chicago restaurant. So they serve, uh, what? What are those things called? Italian beef. Italian beef, polo sausage. Yeah, you come get you a real tasty Chicago here. Get a real Chicago dog in your mouth, you know? So they got like, uh, it's got like bootleggers and, you know, they got speakeasy music playing. You know, that jitterbug ass music. And um, I'm looking at this stuff and I'm like, well, 1920s. That was the Great Depression. Well, 10 years before the Great Depression, but that's when they had those, uh, what? 1920s, the world's in calamity as, what's that dude's name? Bonnie and Clyde caught a swath across America, robbing banks and giving the, the America the finger. 23 skidoo for these boys. Like, that kind of vibe, right? And again, we as black Americans, we were marginalized then too. Well, shucks, to be honest with you, you had your immigrants coming across the water, right? You had the great potato famine. All these people in, in uh, from Ireland, they were coming into New York. And as much as people nowadays are oppressing Mexicans or Latin people, they were doing the same thing. White people were doing that to, to Irish people. Like, don't let the Irish come in and take your jobs. And Irish were like, hey, that's not true. We want to make our way just like you. Now, 100 years later, that's, that oppression is all over the place, right? Then I went to Cracker Barrel. Hope y'all see a thing here. Went to Cracker Barrel, right? And that's supposed to be, come on down, get you a good old Southern breakfast the way mother used to make it, right? You go up in there and they got this big fireplace and their whole decor is like, you know, Southern. They got rocking chairs out in front. You can rock while you wait for your grits to get ready. You know, you can have fried catfish for breakfast. Again, would I have been sat down to have me a hearty biscuits and gravy? Probably not, but fine. Finally, right? Went to Steak and Shake. Now, Steak and Shake, their whole thing is they make your burgers with real steak meat and they make the shakes the old fashioned, made by hand. You know, delicious. Muy delicioso. You know, the whole nine. But they've got these pictures. Now, this is what really kind of even got me on this whole tangent. In their pictures, they show, I think they call them soda pools or soda hops. They used to wear the little paper hats and they used to make your malts and, you know, if you're a white couple, like in Happy Days time, you can go there, get your two scoops of ice cream and make your malt and you put two straws in it and you can sit there and sip it with the with the girl of your dreams. And she had a little poodle dress on, she had the socks with the bells on them. You know, it was all Happy Days, you know. And in the picture, they showed the brother, he was making a soda pool, maybe they call them soda jerks. 
because you had to pull down the handle to, to pour out the soda. It was a big thing. People were really blown away by it because, you know, the only thing they had was radios, <laughs> radios and racism. So anyway, in this picture, his brother's behind the counter, right? He's got his hand on the soda machine. He's pulling down. Soda's assumably coming in the picture or the little glass cup. And it's like the, every seat at this bar, nothing but smiling white people, smiling white young people. And as I'm looking at this, I'm like, that's crazy because there were young black people who they call them the counter. Uh, they sat at the at the at the lunch tables, not lunch tables, but like basically them same seats that those young white kids were having a good ass time sitting there. These black young teens, they would sit in these seats because everything was segregated. They weren't supposed to sit in them seats. They're supposed to go around the back and order food, right? Well, they would sit at those tables as a protest. And they had to even tell these young kids, they were teenagers, it's both things for a teenager. Sit there, and these grown people are going to yell at you, and they're going to ridicule you, and they might put their hands on you. They even showed them a couple movies, right? Take a cup of coffee, pour it over your head, you know, take salt, dump it in your lap, because you wasn't allowed to eat there. You know, who the hell are you to want to be treated like a person, right? I'm sitting there, but time washes away all sins, right? So it's all black people working up in here. They frying, they cooking, all this good stuff. But there's a constant reminder in one sense. See, the thing is, the company don't see that. They see it as, hey, this shows tradition. This shows we are stable. They show that we grew up with America. Yes, baby, but did you forget the ugly parts? You know, I'm just saying, like everyone thinks they're the hero in the story. You know, even now, they're like, oh, that was 60 years ago, Tony. That was 100 years ago. True. But just how women were given a right, or a person is given a right, <laughs> it could be taken away. Like, that's that's crazy to me. All right? Um, and finally, I got to talk about this Clarence Thomas. The brother, I think he's the only black guy on, on the Supreme Court. Don't, don't quote me on this. But Clarence Thomas, like, I remember seeing Clarence Thomas back in the 90s when he was, I'm going to say antagonized. I don't know if he called social or sexually harassing, but... With Mr. Nita Hill, right? Mr. Neil went in front of the Congre Congress or somebody was like, yo, y'all trying to put him on the Supreme Court? Well, this is the type of person this man is. Clarence Thomas, he was a black guy, Nita Hill, white, a uh, black woman. She was saying, the only thing I remember, because I was a kid at this time, she said that the brother put the pubic hair on her Coca-Cola. She had a glass of Coke, not glass, but a can of Coke, he did that. Allegedly. Right? And I'm not saying he was bad. You know, maybe he was immature. Whatever. You know, but that was, and then he was like, oh, come on. You all know I didn't do that. You know. The thing is, I would I would imagine because he has been a part of an oppressed group, you know, maybe it's hard to be more sympathetic to taking the rights away from somebody. Because I did not know this, but with that Roe v. Wade overturn, 
Like that opens up the door to a lot of other things, like reversal of same-sex marriages, um, like uh, privacy as far as uh, you know. I guess if you're sec- like basically like this. I don't want to get this wrong because it's very important, but just know that this overturn does not just affect young teenagers who got hot on prom. You know, this affects like people who maybe been through a traumatic experience, all this other type of stuff. Like it makes life very hard. And if you're a young person, young teenager, right? And you're scared, you know, and and maybe your parents, maybe your parents are like, yo, maybe this is probably the best thing. Like that option. Don't even take the religious aspect of it. But that option is being taken out of your hands, and that's just it's kind of terrifying. All right, let's 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 lighten this up just a little bit. Um, there are some ways, right, that women are equal that we don't talk about. There's some ways, like uh, okay, when I was a teenager, back in my day, brought to you by Nostalgia, Shana. Back in my day, I was a teenager, and I used to go to church all the time. I tell y'all that. All the time because it was true. I went to church a lot, for better or for worse. It was good. It was good. Went to church a lot. So in church, there was a young lady there. She was a couple years older than me. So let's say I'm 15. Maybe she was 17, 18. And the preacher man, oh, I'm sorry, preacher lady, preacher lady, was like, okay, if I bow your head, let's pray, right? And we bow our heads, and this young lady would always belch, like, Bruh. like it'd be quiet, like. She would just belch all the time. You know, the first Sunday you let it go. You know, you think maybe she had a bad chalupa. Maybe she had a, ch- a chili dog or something. No biggie. And it happened like week after week. And no one said anything. And I didn't say anything either. At first. Like, we were sitting there praying. Everybody had the head down. And then, you know, God, Jesus, all the sun, all talking all that good, good. On that, here's Right? So then I would... Stop communing with God for a second, kind of open up one of my eyes because my head was bowed. And then I just kind of go back to praying. And then in the same prayer, you know, like, and then Jesus said, God, please bless us to be good people. And then I hear like a heavy one, like it sounded like something came up from the bowels, right? The bowels of Hades, right? So now I open up my eyes, I look at her now because, like, I know. You ain't say excuse me or nothing. You ain't say God bless you or nothing. Just in the house of God. Ooh, excuse me. None of that, right? Then she, like one time she opened up eyes, looked at me. And I'm standing directly at her like, so we just, and everybody else in church had their head down. So we just ain't going to say nothing about it. That's the look I gave her. And then I think one time I did pull it to the side like, dude, why did you always belch? Like, you know, that's, I mean, at least say excuse me. Because I felt like I should say something. Well, come to find out the girl had a medical problem. Like she couldn't control her burps at all. I felt a little bad, but like, you know, I would want somebody to tell me, like, you out of pocket. You out here belching and burping in front of God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Like, just, can you say it? But I guess apparently she couldn't control it. But, I mean, it, it was what it was, right? But if it was a guy, so you'd say, oh, you're disgusting or you filthy, right? But if it was a girl, so no one said nothing. Whatever. I mean, I... Now, people think that because women are supposed to be delicate. Because I was always taught to treat women 
the respect and you know some women um women are people people they they have the same kind of problems we got perfect example i don't want to tell nobody this but i think it's funny so i'm gonna say it i was i dated an abusive woman I did. I dated an abusive woman, right? She was small, petite, unassuming, very nice person on first glance, right? And then like certain things would kind of happen, like you know, as we were dating, just like I, I'm assuming an abusive man relationship, like things would happen and we would kind of go out and I'd laugh or something, and then she'd be like, <laughs> "You so funny," and punch me, right? I'm like, "Ah, oh, okay, that that hurt, that hurt a little bit, but <laughs> we having a good time, right?" And then, you know, I guess she was tested wise of her abusivity, right? And then from there, you know, something else will happen. And like she like, <laughs> boy, you're making me so mad, I can just punch you right now. But she laughed it off. I didn't think she was, you know, serious, you know. And then one day, she uh she got upset. And she I think she said the same thing. I think she said something along the lines like, you know, I'm so now, but it wasn't the high high jokey jokey. It was like I'm so upset I could punch you right now. I took my glasses off. I said, "Well, you bad, go and do it then. You know, get out your system." And man, before it came out my mouth, man, that girl punched me square in the nose, like hard, like, like hard. <laughs> and I had to hold my, like, hold my nose, like check for blood. And she was like, "See, I told you not to piss me off, right?" And I'm sitting there like, "What? How, what do we? How do we get here? You know?" And then from there, like, I didn't tell nobody, you know, but then I, okay, I did, I told one of my friends. I was like, <laughs> man, like, uh, you know, I was out with this girl, right, the craziest thing, right? And she kind of punched me in the nose. And he said, well, what did you do, Tony? I, I said, maybe I, I told her to do it. And he was like, yeah, just because you tell somebody to do something, they shouldn't do it. I was like, yeah, okay, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. So then we went out again, and, um, I was walking past her. No, I was sitting in the car. And I, I kind of like went to go get something out of my glove department. And she punched me in the face again. <laughs> and I was like, what was that for? Like, I'm holding my mouth. What was that for? Like, the rules was I told you to punch me so you did what I asked you to do. This one was totally unprovoked. She was like, oh, well, you moved too quick. And I was like, hmm, <laughs> Okay. That was funny. I'm like, okay, fine. I moved too quick. Fine. I'm telling my friend again, right? I'm like, yo, man. Yeah, that girl, she... She hit me again. And you're like, what? Why? <laughs> and I did what women do in an abusive relationship. I said, it was my fault. I moved too quick. You know, he was like, Tony, are you, do you hear yourself right now? And I was like, what? Yeah. And then, you know, so yeah, I was, <laughs> I mean, she hit me. <laughs> but who, who do you tell? Like, you know, dude, I'm 6'3". Like, who do you mean tell me somebody kicking your ass? Well, no. You just stop talking to them. You ghost them. But yeah, there, there are abusive women out there, you know? Hmm. <laughs> I kind of had it coming. Oh, man, fun fact. That church that I was telling you about previously, that church, it used to be uh, an AME church. What is that? African Methodist Episcopal Church. Uh, me and brother number two drove by it because you know we spent so many years there. We drove by just for old times' sake to see what's going on. And uh, that church is a mosque now. 
Like it's just it it blew my mind. Like cause this church at the end of a dead end. And uh, you know, we're driving down the street, everything looks the same or whatever. And then as we pull up, there is a like a red, black, and green sign. It says honorable something something, I house shabams, all that good stuff. And then like I wanna say, I don't know if I'm making this up, but I wanna say it was flying like one of those Islam flags, the the crescent moon and the five point star. And and then like in the building, the cornerstone in the building, uh my mom's name was actually on there. And uh they they, they changed the the cornerstone of that building. And I was like, wow, that's crazy, like life changes, you know, life goes on, but it's like, that building was Jesus's building. Like, I wonder if Jesus ever make him some heavenly popcorn by saying, hey, I'm about to watch me some, some good service. Which which service I'm gonna watch today? Am I gonna watch the Roman Catholic? No, I ain't gonna do that. I ain't gonna check out Rome. I seen the Pope talk. Oh, I'm gonna go to this little church in Gary. I ain't, I ain't seen them talk so long. I missed them folk. And Jesus actually kind of zooming in like, you know, kind of like walking over to it or have a cloud part over there. And as he walk over, you see Allah sitting there with his bag of popcorn. And he like, uh, uh, hey, Allah. And Allah like, hey, Jesus, what you, what you doing over here? And then, you know, Jesus like, well, I'm about to check out my people right there. That little building right there, man. <laughs> Boy, those people, they be praising me. You got no idea. And Allah like, no, nah, bro, that's that's my building. And Jesus like, no, nah, no, nah, man, that's that's AME all day, cuz. What you what you talking? Allah like, no, nah, man, that, that's fruit of Islam right there. Don't you see the the flag? And Jesus like, oh God. I be dog. Look at the oh Lord. Like, <laughs> well, that was my building. The Holy Ghost was ass in that building. And Allah like, no, nah, bro, we don't know. We did a ritual. <laughs> <laughs> we got to land for a good price. It's ours, man. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I just thought about this. It's crazy. Like, in 2020, I'm pretty sure at 12, most kids know the logistics of of a sexual relationship. They might know the impact of it. Uh, they might not know the significance of it or implications, the ramifications of it. But they know, you know, put peg A into slot B. You know, they they, they kind of could know the mechanics. And the crazy thing is, if they want to know, one thing I do is type into Google, right? Type into Google and they might get a medical term for it. They might get an explicit term for it. But they know the basics of it. Well, shucks, back in my day, growing up, now, on TV, we had, what, seventh grade, we had the sex ed. We had one class. When I say one class, it was one hour session. Right? And I know I told the story before, but the gym teacher, a female gym teacher, taught it. And uh, <laughs> I remember sitting there, and I had known, I was in seventh, eighth grade, and I kind of heard about you know sex. I kind of had an idea about it. But... I held her my hand. She was like, yeah, what's up? Like, she had sweatpants. She was a no-nonsense teacher. Sweet woman. I said, how do you know uh, <laughs> when you ejaculate? Because I was always scared you like you would pee in a woman. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know that penises had different modes, right? 
I just, so I was really scared I was gonna pee in my wife or something when I, because I, you know, it was eighth grade. And the woman, she was like, she looked at me. <laughs> I guess the question had to roll around in her brain. She kind of gave me a quick chuckle. She was like, trust me, you'll know. <laughs> she wasn't another line. But besides that, like, I remember, do y'all remember Dr. Ruth? Dr. okay, for the kids that don't know. Back in the, I'm gonna say, mid 80s on her life, on, there was a little lady named Dr. Ruth. And Dr. Ruth was either a German woman or a Russian lady. She was about four foot nothing. She was a tiny, very petite, old woman. She was old. She liked somebody's grandma or nana, whatever white people call grandmas. And she had a really thick accent. And she used to wear like suit, they was pants, suit, no, they would dress, they were like a suit, but instead of pants, they had, like, there was a dress, I don't know, business, dress for lady. I don't know what you call it, but she had to, and it was the 80s, so she had the big shoulder pads, and she was coming, she was on all the talk shows, and everybody was like, oh, hey, Dr. Ruth, Dr. Ruth, what you got to tell the people? And then, <laughs> she became a celebrity, she was like, it is very important to find the crystalis. Like she had a really, she rolled her R's. Or she had a really, <laughs> nothing that was sexy about it. But she was like 80. Right? She was, she was going on talk shows. She was on Donahue, on Sally Jesse Raphael. Those old, old talk shows. And then she was like, it is very important to stimulate the crystalis. Like she would all, <laughs> there was nothing. She talked about it, but people were like, Thank God, Dr. Ruth, you saved my marriage because you taught my husband how to do certain things. And then the woman, she would talk, and like people would call in and talk to Dr. Ruth. It'd be some guy like, hey, what's up, Dr. Ruth? She's like, hello, what is your name? My name is Mike from Jersey. Hey, hello, Mike from Jersey. How may I help you? They're like, yeah, man, like my wife, I think she's broken. Like her, <gasps> her vag doesn't work. What are you doing, Mike, when you try to pressure your wife? He's like, what was that? Pleasure, your puppy. Well, you know, I, you know, I do stuff. I wash dishes, and uh, yeah, she's not in the mood. <laughs> like, I think she's having an affair. I'm like, no, Mike, you must spend time with the foreplay. And like, what's foreplay? And then she's like, erogenous zones. Like, in this, she was a, she was a, a national treasure. Like, women were like, thank you, Dr. Ruth, you taught my husband how to do stuff. So I'm saying, y'all, <laughs> you young people should be thankful. Like you don't have an old, unattractive lady telling y'all about sex. Because, to be honest, everything nowadays is pretty much, even toothpaste. It's always just sex, sex, sex. Everything's rammed down your throat. Take your time, young man. And lady. Okay. So, let's see. Now it's time for the BTP news. Uh, let's see our story. This one, I think, kind of speaks to what's going on. All right, let me find it. Uh, yeah. Breastfeeding mom fights off bald eagle to save pet goose. Now, when they say women can multitask, they definitely got this one on the right. Like, 
there seems to be a level of priorities here that's not being followed, right? Okay, so if you breastfeed, you got a baby, you got a, it's a newborn, it's a small kid, right? Like an infant. You're fighting off a bald eagle, which is <laughs> the symbolism is so good on that. Like America, that bird is the bald eagle. America, right? <laughs> so, in the midst you sitting there, you're trying to breastfeed your baby, give substance to this child, and the, this bird of prey is swooping over here like a vulture, right? Making circles, but he's so high in the sun you can't see him. And then you got your goose right there. What do you call the goose? What's the goose's name? Why do you have a pet goose? Um, called a, yeah, the goose is called mother, right? So you sitting there, you just two mothers, right? Mother goose and you, y'all sitting there. Yeah, I'm gonna say it's Florida. I don't think eagles live in Florida. <laughs> I'm almost certain they don't, but skip it. This eagle is from Montana and it's down for spring break. It's going to Pismo Beach. Panama City has got the cool little shades. He's got like a cutoff t-shirt to say sun's out, guns out. America, right? It's on the back. America, right? He's flying around. He's got a mullet too because he's <laughs> he's an awesome bird. So he's like, he got shades on. He's like, dude, check out that goose down there. Right? I don't know who he's talking to because he's flying by herself, right? And the mom's sitting there and mother goose, she's doing her own thing. She's just wilding in the yard. I'm assuming it's got to be some water around. And then, uh, because the eagle's such a dude, she, he's talking to himself like, pilot to co-pilot, I'm going in, right? He swoops down, he shoots from the sky. I don't know why it sounds like a plane, but he's flying down super fast, and he stops in front of the eagle. Now he stops in front of the goose, right? <laughs> like just laying right in front of him, like, Oof. That's, not a, that's not a rooster, that was him landing. And you know, mother goose just sitting there by a tree or whatever. And because, you know, the eagle's such a patriotic douche, right? He comes, hey, babe, hey, you come to this watering hole often. And the goose is like, quack, quack. That's not what gooses sound like. Honk, honk. And you're like, yeah, baby, you know, honk with your honkers, right? I love it. Anyway, like, well, I'm going to get out of here. And the goose is like trying to turn around. She's like, no, no, thank you. I'm about to walk away. And then the eagle, he don't like he don't like to get rejected, right? He grab her by grab her by the neck, like, hey, I'm talking to you. And she's like, honk, honk. <laughs> like, get your hands off me, like you being a little rough. He's like, hey babe, like don't make this a scene. Till this little glass down, like, look, you coming with me, that's what it's gonna be. And then the woman breastfeeding, she's like, Mother Goose, do we have a problem? And, she, and Mother Goose like honk honk, like, yes, please come get him off of me, right? And then she came out there, and she got a baby hanging on the boob and she like sir get off of her she you like hey what i just want to talk i just want to talk it's cool it's cool and he's like no uh-uh she going with us she leave she came with us she's leaving with us right like hey man like hey it's whatever bros whatever and you know the eagle saw her breastfeeding like are you looking at my breasts are you looking at my breasts because i'm feeding my baby he's like hey look i look i don't know i don't know what's going on here right he flew off he's like the chicks are lame bro and he flew off and they finished the rest of their girls' day together. Okay. Breastfeeding mom fights off bald eagle to save pet goose. Alright? The fact that she owns the goose. I don't like that. That goose is independent. As Kate Oakley was breastfeeding daughter Willow, she heard her pet goose, Frankie. Frankie! <laughs> Y'all remember the cartoons where there'd be a chicken and he'd start singing? 
Oh, he'd be a rooster, I guess. And all the, the lady chickens, like, because he was like Frankie Beverly or something. He was a singer, right? He went, boo, 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 boo. And like, Frankie. And they'd just pass out. Oakley could tell there was something wrong, so she peered outside and saw that an eagle was circling her beloved pet. She rushed outside half-naked with Willow still at her breast and the drama heightened as the bird of prey grabbed Frankie, <laughs> who furiously flapped uh, her wings to try to break free. I want to break free. I went to the front door with Willow latched on me, just thinking I'll take a peek out the window, and that's when, in that split second, the eagle came down, and it was at my front door, so I threw the door open. There was nowhere to put Willow down at that point. Oakley, 29, of British Columbia. <laughs> oh, it was a bird. Okay. I didn't know they had eagles over there. It was just a split-second reaction. I chased off birds of prey many many times usually not with a baby uh, wearing only her underwear and clutching a feeding four month old baby the mom chased after the eagle to save her goose it worked the eagle dropped Frankie her doorbell camera caught the encounter which her husband shared on social media Frankie the goose has a TikTok account of course it does it soon went viral. Even though loads of people have seen the mom of three, Willow, now five months old, Rome, two, and Ryder, eight, topless and in her underwear, she was not embarrassed. She was simply feeding her child and taking care of her pet. I could have been naked and I'm like, whatever, I'm feeding my baby, she said. That was a part of life. While many have applauded the mom's superhero feet, Oakley said it's just what moms do. I don't really think about it, Oakley said. It feels like an accomplishment, I suppose, but for me, it was, for me, this was a day in the life. Oakley and her family live in an acre of land and keep chickens, ducks, and geese. The chickens attract, quote, an abundance of predators, end quote, so she has to fight off different animals trying to take her. What's that saying off of purple, the color purple? I had to fight all my life. Uh, the week of the eagle attack on video, the family lost three chickens to some sort of bird of prey. They've had Frankie for about a year. Geese often protect flocks of chicken because they can be aggressive. But Frankie, uh, Frankie is calm and enjoys her human companions. She's part of our family. Like she's just, she just came to check out what I was doing in the garden, Oakley said. She's always around us and the children. Oakley's heroism was even featured on Late Night with Seth Meyers in a segment aptly named, quote, the kind of story we need right now, end quote. Oakley said that any breastfeeding mom knows what it's like juggling a feeding infant while having to take care of for the family. This time, it just involved warding off predators. Quote, breastfeeding itself is a full-time job. You are constantly having a baby on you, and if you have other kids, you're juggling them, end quote, she said. This was second nature to me. You know, the thing about eagles, I watched a couple of videos of eagles like swooping down on prey, and it always seems like the eagle is like a security guard, like at a mall, and they caught the animal stealing because they just kind of swoop down and grab them. Like when they grab fish, like they just, <laughs> it's like they just grab them and just take them up. And then the fish be like, what? I wasn't doing nothing. Like, yeah, we're just going to take it in the back. 
We just want to search you for property, like you stole something for Walmart. Like what? I I came in here with this lighter. Yes, sir. Let's let's go in the back. Let's talk in the back. Like they all they all like they 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 just swoop down like this authority. Let's pick them up. Like yes, sir. Let's let's go in the back. Like cops. Eagles look like cops. Like you know, like just snitch bird. You know, I don't trust it. And then I'm gonna tell you when eagles hunt like other stuff like baby gazelles and stuff. What they do is they they clinch them up in their talons, right? And they just fly off with them. And it's like, you can see the, the baby deer, like, I need an adult, I need an adult. And they just, they take them up so high and then they just drop them. I'm just saying. Um, all right. <laughs> that'll be, that's been, that'll be another episode of Bro 3 Podcast. Uh, Yo, this morning though, for real, like just, I think we should stop being so selfish. Like, you know, just because things don't affect us, like we, we need to start caring. Hmm, caring. I had this thought real quick. I had this thought like, okay, I was taking Cyan to prom, right? And Cyan needed, she needed some scissors because something happened on the dress. She was sewing something on, I don't know. So we were in the hotel, so I'm with her mom, and I was like, uh, well, I don't have my knife on me, which normally I got a knife on me. I, I was like, I'm gonna go check downstairs at the front desk and see if they got some scissors, right? Makes sense, so I go downstairs or whatever. And don't ask me why, but I'm sitting there, I got a bouquet of flowers. I'm coming down to get some scissors. Behind the desk, at the, at the check-in desk, there's a young white girl there. I got these flowers in my hand. I'm like, excuse me, ma'am, do you have to have some scissors? And she was on the phone without even looking up. She just gave me some scissors. I said, thank you. I'll make sure I bring them back. She nodded her head and I kept going. And I don't know if I was having a thought before I got there or it happened while I was there. I was like, I believe God could be a woman. Like, women are nurturing. You know, women, they bring out the best in you sometimes. Or the worst, but... I was like, yeah, God, I can see God being a woman. And then, I, as I was walking away, I was like, ugh, what if God was a white woman? And <laughs> I'm not stanking on white women. But I think if I told a black woman that like, God is a woman, I think they'd agree with that. They'd be like, yes, yeah, so I can see God. But if I said, what if God was a white woman? They probably wouldn't agree with And I don't mean just the color of her skin. I'm talking about like a Karen. That's why I, that's why I even brought the story up, because some the last sentence I said Karen. Like, yeah. Like, would you oh. Like, would you even want to be a Christian? Like, oh. Like you die. And then you go to heaven and like Karen is sitting there. A uh, Karen. Oh. And like nothing you did would be like right. And then you would try to explain like what you did and she oh gosh she like sir sir you're getting aggressive you're getting aggressive like no I just want to let you know I, I I no I was trying to I was trying to pray and then you know there was rap music and you think Kurt Franklin it's appropriate well yeah I, yeah hmm like nothing would oh god that would be a terrible 
Imagine you walking up heaven, just minding your own business, and she's sitting there walking by with a checkboard, with, with, a, with a clipboard, and she's, everybody's doing something wrong. It's heaven, though. Like Ezekiel. Now, you know that the grass is only supposed to be two inches, right? Felipe, oh, oh, we didn't just bring in the Mexicans to work in the Garden of Eden? Hmm, okay. Like, oh, God. Walking around with a guy. <laughs> I was cussed. God doggone Starbucks Frappuccino. Oh, with that haircut? Oh, she wouldn't have to talk to the manager because she would be the manager. Oh, God. Heaven smells like pumpkin spice. Every autumn, like that'd be like, uh, what's those things? Those cornucopias, the little twisty baskets. Every Thanksgiving, they have like gourds. Some, and because it's heaven, you got to like do what she say do. So you got to sit there and make a, make a Martha Stewart kind of, kind of ornament to put like a wreath <laughs> I put vegetables in and then you'd be like excuse me God what about the Native Americans that were slaughtered on this holiday and then she'd make it into like a whole Fox News thing like see that's why we don't really talk about them okay like they died but we give thanks like it's all so terrible alright that's been another episode of Pro 3 Podcast this is what HD, oh jeez, this is what ADHD sounds like. All right, I love y'all. Be sweet. Later.